Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. Um, Good to be back on the airwaves and on the podcasts. And yes, this is not another rebroadcast of um, a great expert guest. We've had so many. Um, So this is a new one. Thank you guys for your prayers. I'm just going to give you a quick update in just a few minutes on um, just, just my health and where I'm at now, and I can't wait to get to our guest, Andy Woods. got a brand new book out, and uh, he's one of my favorite Bible teachers, and um, a book on Babylon. So we're going to get to that this hour. Father, thank you so much for giving us another opportunity to speak the truth about things that matter. We praise you for your sovereignty. We praise you for your goodness. Great is your faithfulness. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in the realm of the Spirit. We just ask that as your humble servants, we could just be a small part of what you're doing in this age, in this time that we're living in right now. And Father, give us that biblical perspective. Help us to cultivate an eternal perspective and and keep prophecy in mind and keep these last days that we're living in in perspective God, we are, have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I thank you, God, for giving us everything we need for life and for godliness. And Lord, uh, you are our healer. And uh, we just praise you, whether it's in this life or in the life to come. We will be healed. We are healed. We have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. And we thank you for his blood that covers all of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, um, just briefly, I don't want to dwell too much on this, but I do thank you for your prayers. So many people have reached out over the last couple weeks. As some of you might not even know, I was diagnosed with COVID. Um, That turned into a COVID pneumonia. I didn't know there was such a thing. But there's a friend I just heard about on Facebook. Oh, Lord, uh, the name escapes me right now. Her husband uh, younger than than me, he was diagnosed with COVID pneumonia. He's on a ventilator right now, and uh, so pray for him. I think his name is Joe. Pray for him that uh, God would intervene and heal him and strengthen him, bring him back to uh, full health, that he would recover. I think both of them, husband and wife, uh, this uh, couple, probably in their 40s, um, <clears throat> they've been uh, through COVID, and, and so he's in, from what I understand, still in the um, ICU, intubated, you know, on a ventilator, and he had the same thing that I have. So God has given me strength just to be back in this chair today and in front of this microphone, and, and I'm blessed to be here. Um, so thank you for your prayers. And also, it's just amazing, um, just as I was going through just just the, the different things I was trying to take to help um, supplements and all that. <laughs> it's amazing the hundreds and hundreds of, 
recommendations from friends across the internet and on Facebook. I mean, take this, take that, do this, do that, rest, ivermectin, you know, D3, whatever. But I thank you for your um, your concern, your support. Also, um, people keep continue to order my new book, Canceling Christianity. So thank you for that. And again, you can get them uh, 10 bucks each. If you want to get a, a bulk order, just let me know. Uh, we'll work on shipping you however many you need uh, over that quantity of 10. Uh, it's a 50% plus discount. So, um, yeah, let me know. People are still ordering, you know, 10 and 12, and they're doing a their whatever Bible study or they're giving it. Some people are just giving them out. So however we can get it out there, big tech has not been helpful, but the body of Christ has stepped up because they do not like censorship. They do not like uh, people being suppressed and the truth being suppressed. And uh, so thank you guys for that so much. Um, So right now I want to bring in uh, Dr. Andy Woods, and he's been with us uh, quite often. It's been a while, but um, he's got a brand new book out. It's called Babylon. The Book Ends of Prophetic History. And, of course, he's uh, author, pastor, teacher, Sugarland Bible Church in Texas. He's also the president of Schaefer Theological Seminary. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to a couple of his messages, particularly over the weekend, he had a great one uh, uh, just yesterday teaching on one second after the rapture. Dr. Andy Woods, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. David, it's great to be here, and glad glad to hear that you're on the mend there. Yes, Lord willing, it will continue to go in the right direction. But I tell you, that was an eye-opening um, uh, revelation when I saw this friend on social media post this um, request about her, her husband on a ventilator having the same thing that I have. I'm going, wow, there but for the grace of God uh, go I. So I, I pray for his health. Um so before we get into your book and why you wrote it at this time, and um, I just want to talk a little bit about your presentation, your, your sermon yesterday at, at church. I caught a good portion of it online, and I, I've heard that part of that presentation before that you've given. Just phenomenal uh, in the research that you do and the, the detail and the prophetic detail you go into one second after the rapture. For those who haven't heard that message, Andy, can you give us just a little teaser on that before we get into your new book? Right. Well, that's um, actually what you heard there is part of a series I've been doing, and it hasn't been a short series. (laughs) I think yesterday was lesson number 59, believe it or not. (laughs) And I really wanted to create a series, you know, that that could almost be the go-to source on the rapture. Uh, which is so under attack today. And, um, you know, I talk in the series about, you know, what is the rapture? Um, when will the rapture take place? As you probably know, there's a big debate relative to the seven-year tribulation period concerning when the rapture will take place. Mm-hmm. I'm very strongly in the pre-tribulational camp, meaning the rapture will occur before the tribulation period even starts. And so I lay out the reasons for that in that series, and then we go into a lot of other passages, you know, that we hadn't had a chance to talk about yet, uh, confirming, not subtracting from, you know, pre-tribulationalism. And then from there we went into all the alternative views, you know. There's mid-trib, post-trib, uh, etc., uh, why we don't think those are adequate, and 
from there, we got into what's going to happen, and this is, believe it or not, how we're ending the series. Um, what's going to happen one second after the rapture? Because the world will change dramatically, mm. you know, both for the believer and the unbeliever. For the believer, it's good things. Three R's, you know. I don't want to preach the whole sermon, <laughs> but resurrection, uh, reward, reunion. But for the unbelieving world, eight things. Um, the world becomes a candidate for eight things. Uh, one of those things I think I went into yesterday was the Antichrist will finally be unveiled, yes. and people will know exactly who he is. And so, you know, that's sort of how we're ending the series on that subject of one second after the rapture. There's so much speculation on who the Antichrist will be. And I think you went through this fascinating chart. Um, if you could explain that briefly, how... A lot of people, there are some people even today that think Nero was the Antichrist. And um, you go through a chart of how to figure out the number of the beast, 666. And uh, if you could just briefly explain that, a lot of people are not aware that there is actually a method that people can calculate the number based on someone's name. Right. Well, when you go to Revelation 13, you know, 16 through 18, at the very end of the chapter, it says there, you know, here uh, is the mind of wisdom. Uh, the number of his name will be 666, and people, boy, they've done a lot of speculating concerning what that means. Mm-hmm. I think there's a very easy answer to it, and I got into this subject because I did my master's thesis on this, and, you know, started to really research it. But there, but there's something called gematria, which is this idea that Greek words, or Greek letters, I should say, and Hebrew letters, for that matter, had numerical equivalents. So you could take somebody's name in the ancient world and spell it out in Greek or Hebrew and then attach the right number to the right letter, and add up the digits, and everybody's name could uh, could be converted to a number. So what I believe is this, when the Antichrist shows up, the whole world will be able to tell who he is, because A, the restrainer will be removed. In other words, the rapture of the church will have already taken place, and you'll be, you'll be able to take that man's name, and he will be a man, and you'll be able to spell it out in Greek, and you'll be able to attach the right number to the right letter and add it up and it will yield the total 666 and that's the meaning of you know that famous passage Mm -hmm. you know 666 and that's why there's so many very severe warnings in that time period about against taking the mark of the beast i mean you're essentially damning yourself to an eternal hell if you take the mark of the beast and the reason those warnings are there is because it'll be obvious to everyone who he is through this gematria calculation I'm talking about. And um, God is going to hold people accountable, you know, mm-hmm. to whom much is given, much is required, and there's no excuse, you know, no, no confusion, I should say, no ambiguity. Uh, the world will know exactly who the Antichrist is at that point in time because of this mathematics that I've been trying to explain. And there will be a, a voluntary or a willing bowing down to the Antichrist, submitting to him 
for those who take the mark. In other words, this won't be a um, genetic genetic therapy or a vaccination. <laughs> this will be a mark right. on your hand or on your forehead that you will voluntarily be taking in order to so, so-called pledge allegiance to the Antichrist, correct? Yeah, correct. There won't be any ambiguity like, oh, no, uh, my Social Security number has an extra six in it. You know, did I take the mark? You know, people have those kinds of fears. Uh, oh, no, they're at work. They're, they assigned me a number, and there's a six in it. You know, maybe <laughs> I took the mark of the beast. Maybe I didn't. That's not what the Bible is talking about at all. It's the man is in the open. He is unveiled. Uh, everybody knows exactly who he is via 666. And if you take the mark, essentially what you're doing is you are volitionally rejecting Jesus Christ and embracing Satan's man of the hour. And that's why God holds people eternally accountable, you know, for taking the mark during that time period. So, uh, Dr. Andy Woods, uh, you have a brand new book out, and it's called Babylon, uh, The Bookends of Prophetic History. Uh, At this point in time, with all that's going on in the world, in the country, even in the church, uh, what led you to put this book together and write this at this time? Well, again, it's another thing I got involved in in seminary. I took a course um, at Dallas Seminary called Apocalyptic Literature, and one of the assignments was to write a paper defending your view on the identity of Babylon. Hmm. And I got into the subject, and I just saw how nuanced and complicated it is. And this eventually led to my dissertation topic, you know, on this, uh, you know, the subject. And I, as I got into it, I felt that the subject of Babylon was really the last area where we, as you know, dispensationalists, a dispensationalist is someone who tries to take the whole Bible literally, including the prophetic sections. It was really the last section where most dispensationalists, for whatever reason, wouldn't take it literally. Um, You know, we're very clear that Israel means Israel and the Church means the Church. But when you get to Revelation 17 and 18, people say, well, you know what, Uh, Babylon doesn't mean Babylon there. It means Rome or, you know, something else. And I think if you take it at face value, it really brings to completion uh, a great strand of thought um, that God has in store for Babylon, stretching all the way back to the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm convinced more than ever that Babylon has a very uh, important role to play in God's end-time program, and I have wanted to write a book kind of fleshing that out. Well, we've got to talk about that because you've got the Tower of Babel right there on the cover of your, or your new book here. So I'm um, it's fascinating because a lot of people don't make a lot of connections with that event in world history when God confused the languages, and some some look at that as man's first attempt at globalism. Um, but just your thoughts on where it all began and the Tower of Babel, which you have on the cover. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting when you get to Revelation 17 and you look at verse 5 and you look at the title on the harlot's forehead, it says there, the, and it's the definite article, the mother of harlots or harlotry. 
and mother is a source. And so whoever the harlot is in Revelation 17, verse 5, she has to be the source of all harlotry. And, you know, Jerusalem, Rome, uh, any other city you come up with, uh, New York City, some people think it's New York City, it doesn't qualify as the source of all harlotry. Those cities absorbed harlot, harlotry, but they're not the source of it. And so where is the source of all harlotry? And the answer is the Tower of Babel which was being built there in the land of Shinar, um, in between the Euphrates and the Tigris, which is modern-day Iraq. And I think the mother of all harlots clearly identifies the Tower of Babel for the simple reason that there was only one language on the face of the earth at the time, and God confounded the language so that the builders couldn't cooperate with each other. And so whatever sin was taking place at the Tower of Babel was exported, into every culture that followed. And so all of these nations uh, owe their corrupted origin to the Tower of Babel. And that's why you can find Babylonian harlotry um, in Assyria, in Egypt, in Rome. Uh, No matter where you go, you can find it. And that's because these cities are daughter harlots. They're not the mother harlot. The mother harlot is the Tower of Babel, which exported harlotry, you know, into every surrounding nation. And so you can't really identify what's going on in the book of Revelation until you start at the beginning of God's book. (laughs) And when you start at the beginning of God's book, you clearly see what's being referred to. There's only one city in human history that's qualified as the mother of all harlotry, and that would be the Tower of Babel. Mm. Great connections there just to get kind of set a foundation and set the stage for the new book. And by the way, uh, one of the places it is available is at dispensationalpublishing.com. And also, uh, you mentioned it was on Amazon, um, Babylon, the bookends of prophetic history. Um, Andy, I don't want to, we've got about a minute and a half before we need to take another break. And I don't want to be uh, sloppy in, in bringing up uh, another topic as we go through the book and, and having to cut you off. But uh, if you could wrap up uh, just those thoughts on what you were discussing as far as the source of all harlotry, because again, I, th- I think that's a connection that a lot of people don't make with Revelation and with the Tower of Babel or Babel. Yeah, I mean, well, that's where the subtitle comes from, the bookends of prophetic history. And, you know, Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1 and verse 9, you know, he basically said, what has been will be again. And so history is cyclical. Mm. You know, where everything started, there on the Fertile Crescent, is where everything is going to end. And in the very same locale where man collectively shook his fist in God's face and said, God, we're not going to do things your way, we're going to do things our way. Man's first experiment at one-worldism or globalism is the exact spot on the earth where the same thing is going to happen at the end via the Antichrist and Babylon that Jesus himself will have to return, you know, and destroy, just like God can, you know, stop the first project Uh, God in the tribulation period is going to stop the second project. And so the book is really an expansion of that idea 
you know, the bookends of history, tracing Babylon all the way through the Bible uh, from the beginning to the end in that sense. And uh, you mentioned uh, there's a little description in the, on the book cover, the back of the book cover, that um, you, you, you survey the lines of biblical evidence that call for a futuristic, literal Babylon in God's end times program. So we'll talk more about that when we come back with Dr. and Pastor Andy Woods. The book, again, uh, just fascinating information, even in the preface, uh, The Bookends of Prophetic History, Babylon. So we've got a lot more to cover when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Andy Woods and a brand new book out. He's got over at Dispensational Publishing, also it's on Amazon, Babylon, The Bookends of Prophetic History. And in the preface of the book, um, it says, in the coming tribulation period, and we all agree that that's coming, the Antichrist will rule the entire world from his headquarters located in the literal rebuilt city of Babylon on the Euphrates River found in modern-day Iraq. Not only have numerous Christians throughout church history embraced this view, but it has also been incorporated into the best-selling Left Behind series. The real question, however, is whether such a view can be successfully defended from Scripture, which is the ultimate court of authority in all matters of Christian faith and practice. So, Dr. Andy Woods, I know you've done um, uh, an, a, a meticulous job here at going through and just doing the research and finding the details and everything that, that needs to be researched that most people would not have either the knowledge or the time or the expertise to do. You did the work. So um, let's talk about that very question. How it, it, it's, can it be successfully defended from Scripture? Well, I, I think it can. Um, you know, most people, when they get into the subject of Babylon, they really want to start with the book of Revelation. But the problem with that approach is the book of Revelation, there's about 404 verses in the book of Revelation. I think around 287 verses, somewhere in there, are allusions to the Old Testament. So you cannot really understand the book of Revelation until you first understand what the Bible teaches on a certain subject in the Old Testament. So by the time you get to the book of Revelation, and it says the mother of all harlotry, um, you're already supposed to have known about the Tower of Babel to identify the city properly. And so when you use this approach and kind of keep moving through the Bible, you start to see a lot of clues that Babylon has to be brought back to life um, a major set of clues is found in Isaiah 13 and 14 and Jeremiah 50 and 51, which essentially are prophecies about the destruction of Babylon. And when you scrutinize those prophecies against the known facts of history, you see there that, that Babylon's destruction is described in a way that it's never happened before in history. Uh, it describes in those passages about Babylon being destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction was sudden. 
you know, it was cataclysmic, it was instantaneous, and that's not how Babylon of the past was destroyed. It was the exact opposite. She waned gradually. Hmm. And, you know, it'll say things in there about when Babylon is destroyed, Israel will be regenerated. Well, obviously, that's never happened in history. And so I try to unpack a lot of those clues in those passages. And then when you get to the book of Zechariah, chapter 5, and you look at verse 11, it talks about a woman in a basket, and she's thrust into the basket, and she's going to be let out of the basket at the proper time. And at the proper time, she is going to build a house. The Hebrew word for house there is temple. And she's going to build that temple in the land of Shinar. Hmm. Now, Shinar is exactly where the Tower of Babel was. That's right. It's uh, exactly, by the way, where the children of Israel, Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, you know, were taken into the 70-year captivity. So this woman is going to be let out of this basket and build this house in Shinar. And um, that's talk- that can't be talking about historic Babylon, because that prophecy was given... 20 years after Babylon fell to the Persians. And so that's another clue. Um, and so that's sort of the take I'm taking in the book is, you know, before even before we get to the book of Revelation, let's examine all of these clues. And then once we have all of these clues in mind, then let's look at Revelation 17 and 18. And most pastors, most theologians, most commentators because they're specialists either in one testament or the other, Old Testament or New Testament, are not really doing that. Hmm. Um, They're just focused on their area. But God's Word, especially the book of Revelation, is meant to be understood in an integrated way. And you're supposed to gather all of these clues together, and so by the time you get to Revelation 17 and 18, you're supposed to read those chapters through the grid of those clues, because the book of Revelation is not going to restate everything for us. And so that's how the Bible is set up, and if you want to come to the right conclusions on things, that's the approach you know you need to employ, not just with Babylon, but any other subject for that matter. Yes, and the the word that keeps coming to mind is context. There is context, and we, what you just went through in Isaiah 13 and 14, prophecies about Babylon, I, we, we forget about that. We forget that this is in the Old Testament, and so we, we shouldn't be as confused or shocked when we start reading some of these ideas in Revelation. Well, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, uh, you know, there are so many parallels between Genesis and Revelation. You know, look at the parallels between Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. You know, the Garden of Eden, you know, in comparison to the eternal city that we're moving towards. In fact, I've heard the Bible summarized this way. It's from a garden to a city, you know, with a cross in between. And Genesis 3, sin enters the world. Revelation 21 and 22, sin finally exits the universe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, parallel after parallel after parallel. And we would expect that with Babylon, uh, Genesis 11, Babylon begins, and Revelation 17 and 18, Babylon ends. And um, my goodness, it's so, um, uh, you know, it's such a rewarding discipline 
you know, to read Revelation, you know, with the Old Testament in mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know how we can detach ourselves as Christians from the Old Testament when uh, there's so many, there's so many scriptures. First of all, the whole counsel of God is mm-hmm. valuable and important, but I think of uh, Romans fifteen four for example, that everything mm-hmm. that was written in the past was written for our instruction, that through the endurance of the scriptures we might have hope. And that's what they're talking about. That's what Paul talked about there in Romans, the endurance of the scriptures, that's the Old Testament. So you cannot just discount such a major portion of scripture, of prophecy, and uh, just try to, try to jump into Revelation. But as you said, Andy, that's what a lot of people, maybe they're, they're well-meaning, but mistakenly they do. And they, you can go into all kinds of um, wrong directions if you don't do it properly. Right. And, you know, I've taught at my church um, the book of Daniel, and I didn't want to teach the book of Revelation until I'd already taught the book of Daniel. So I spent a lot of time on Daniel, and then from there I moved finally to the book of Revelation. But Daniel, you know, is the basement, as people say, (laughs) and the book of Revelation is the ceiling. And that's not just true with the book of Daniel, it's, it's true with the book of Genesis, uh, right on through the Old Testament. And there's a strand of thought, and it's very unfortunate. It's basic, and this is where replacement theology comes from. It's this idea that, you know, somehow in the New Testament, everything has changed, and everything that God said in the Old Testament has been rewritten or suspended. And I don't feel that that's the right view at all. I mean, we should not read the Old Testament. We should not allow the New Testament to rewrite the Old Testament. I think the opposite is true. We should be interpreting the New Testament in light of what God has already said in the Old Testament. And if we don't do it that way, then A, why have an Old Testament? And B, essentially what we're doing is we're calling God a liar, and that's contrary to his nature. God cannot lie. And the Bible, and not just Babylon, but virtually any other subject, starts to make so much sense when you understand that the New Testament is not rewriting the Old, um, but it's conti- it's a continuation of the story. Mm. And uh, so I hope that's a helpful interpretive clue for people as they approach their Bible. Yes, very, very helpful. Um, Daniel, another phenomenal book. Um so, Andy, there's some things as we go through your table of contents here that um, just looking at some of the descriptions and, and what you wrote, you know, sections about, um, one thing that, that opens up uh, maybe some questions with people, um, page 31, um, and this is under Zechariah 5, uh, to, to be fulfilled in the Apocalypse. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. That's a, you know, it's it's a fascinating um, account there. You know, Zechariah had about eight visions, and he had those in one night. And that's a that's a heck of a night wow. when you think about that. <laughs> and these took place Zechariah one verse seven. You know, around five nineteen BC. So that would be a good twenty years after Babylon historically fell to the Persians hmm. 
in 539 B.C. And by the way, I should say that when the Persians conquered Babylon, and that goes back to Daniel 5, the handwriting on the wall chapter, when the Persians conquered Babylon, there wasn't even a battle. You know, they tunneled under the walls of Babylon, and they, you know, Herodotus, and I quote a number of other sources, you know, indicating that those Persians didn't even know they had been conquered. Hmm. Uh, that was Daniel 5, where, you remember, Belshazzar was partying as if there was no tomorrow, and that's when the handwriting on the wall appeared. Mm-hmm. And that very night, you know, his empire, when he thought he was at his strongest, had slipped into the hands of the Persians without a fight. And so there's absolutely no way any honest intellectual reading of the Bible, you can say that suddenly the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah were fulfilled at that point, which demand cataclysm. But even if you accept that, you've still got to contend with Zechariah chapter 5, verses 5 through 11, Mm -hmm. which was written 20 years after the events I'm describing. So Babylon had already fallen, and that's the vision in the basket, where this woman, representing evil, is put in the basket, or the ephah, representing commerce, and it's very clear that she's going to be let loose according to this vision, and she's going to build this house or temple, not, you know, in Las Vegas or Washington, D.C. or New York City or not in Rome or any other, you know, Gentile city, um, but in another Gentile city called Babylon. Mm. And so whatever you're doing with Isaiah 13 and 14, and I know people play a lot of semantical games with that and try to argue that the language isn't literal, you've still got another major clue in God's Word that, you know, this this woman, by the way, the woman in Zechariah 5, I think, is the harlot of Revelation 17. Hmm. There's a lot of parallels between the two, but this woman or this harlot is going to resurrect this temple, and in, in Shinar, we know exactly where Shinar was, And therefore, Shinar, or what's called Mesopotamia, that Meso means between, Potamia means rivers, the area between the rivers, between the Euphrates and the Tigris. Mm. Of course, the city of Babylon is located there. Uh, This woman is going to relocate the center of the world's religious power, political power, and commercial power in that ancient city. And so you put that together with the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and some other clues that we talk about in the book, and you've got a very clear indicator, even before you get to the book of Revelation, that Babylon has some sort of future role, you know, in God's end-time program. So we are going to touch on, hopefully before the end of the podcast, some current events that uh, you, you touch on a certain number of subjects that I find to be very interesting. I'm sure our listeners will too. So hopefully we will get to that um, before we wrap up the podcast today because that's what people are trying to connect with all this that's happening and all that is prophetic. What can we see that's happening now and that could be some signs? But before we do that, um, Andy, there's um, you read about mystery Babylon. And boy, talk about a word that can be um, just really confusing to a lot of people, just the word mystery. Paul writes about the mystery sometimes, and, and there's mystery Babylon. And could you just clarify, you wrote about Revelation 17 and 18, 
and then you write Mystery Babylon. So could you uh, just, we've got three minutes uh, before we have to take a break. Sure, yeah, real quick. Um, the, mm. the reality of the situation is the word Babylon is used about 300 times in the Bible. And every other time it's used, it refers to literal Babylon. Mm -hmm. No questions asked. So the question then becomes, well, why doesn't it mean that in Revelation 17? And people say, well, it doesn't say Babylon. It says mystery Babylon. And they take that as a license to call it symbolic Babylon, Mm. allegorical Babylon. That's right. In other words, they, if they call it Mystery Babylon, they think they can make Babylon whatever they want it to be, mm-hmm. instead of a literal place on the earth. And you'll notice that in the uh, New King James or King James Version, Mystery is capitalized. It's part of the harlot's title, Mystery Babylon. But in the New American Standard Version, Mystery is not capitalized. So if the NASB is correct, her title is Babylon the Great, not Mystery Babylon. Hmm. And so the question is, well, who's right? The King James Version on that? Both very good translations, by the way, or the NASB. And I think the NASB has it right because the title Babylon the Great is used five other times in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. She's never referred to as Mystery Babylon. So when something can be taken both ways, you want to see how the title is normally used elsewhere. And so I do not think her title is Mystery Babylon. I think what is being described there is Babylon's role in the end times, and the specific way she is destroyed is a mystery. And you have to understand that in the Greek language, a mystery is a new truth. It's something veiled, now unveiled. Mm Mm-hmm. kind of like the church, the church age that we're in now, Paul calls it a mystery. And so the title on the woman's forehead is not Mystery Babylon. It's it's Babylon the Great. Um, The NASB has it right there. The King James, I think, has it wrong. And the mystery is exactly how she's going to be destroyed. That's the undisclosed truth. And so my interpretation of it favors more of a literal understanding of Babylon, if that if that helps. Yes, yes, it does. And uh, we've got to take a break, but doesn't it kind of clarify in verse uh, chapter 17, verse 7, because it, it says, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. Doesn't it kind of explain that, Andy? We'll we'll allow you to answer that in detail when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Uh, The book we're talking about today is brand new from Pastor and Dr. Andy Woods. It's called Babylon. The Bookends of Prophetic History. And we were uh, just talking about Revelation 17, which uh, there's a small m uh, mystery used right before Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And then it describes uh, seeing the woman drunk with blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And then it says, when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery. So, uh, Andy, I will let you just take this uh, wherever you want to go here. 
that's a really important point you bring up there concerning the debate about the word mystery, you know, because we said in the prior segment that a lot of people think it's Mystery Babylon. That's her title. Mm-hmm. But when you drop down to verse 17, uh, he says this, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery, that's the Greek word, mysterion, of the woman and of the beast that carries her. Hmm. So the mystery doesn't just apply to the woman. The woman is the city of Babylon, but it also applies to the beast or the Antichrist. And essentially what's going on in Revelation 17 is there's not two character there's not one character there, there's two. It's not just the woman named Babylon, but the woman is riding the beast. In other words, the city of Babylon starts to sort of get the upper hand on the beast, and the beast, I think, is going to resent that because the beast desires to be worshipped above all that is called God. You see that in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. And so essentially what's going to happen is God is actually going to use the Antichrist to destroy the city of Babylon. Hmm. And that's the, you know, of course, chapter 17 comes right after chapter 16, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And in chapter 16, verse 19, in the seventh bowl judgment, you have a description there of the destruction of Babylon in the seventh bowl. And so the question is, well, how is that going to happen exactly? How is Babylon going to be destroyed? Well, chapter 17 is your answer to that question, where the... God is actually going to use the Antichrist to destroy the city of Babylon. And that, therefore, becomes the mystery, or Mm. the new truth, which is revealed nowhere else in Scripture. And that's why the word mystery doesn't just apply to the harlot's title. The word mystery applies to the beast and the woman. Mm Mm-hmm. So the great mystery is not mystic Babylon, symbolic Babylon, but it's how Babylon is going to be destroyed by God's nemesis or archenemy, the Antichrist. And so God even uses his enemies to execute his will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's actually going to put his purpose into the heart of the beast. You see that towards the end of the chapter to destroy the city of Babylon. And that's the great mystery of chapter 17. If we didn't have Revelation 17 in our Bible, we would have no knowledge of how this destruction is going to take place. And at the risk of getting a little bit into the weeds, if, if you just read the next verse, um, chapter 17, uh, verse 8, it's, it's very interesting, and I would love for you to just expound on this a little bit because we're talking about this in, in context. It says, Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, they will wonder when they see the beast, and if you could explain what that means, that he was and is not and will come. Please explain that. Well, there's a lot of debate on that particular phrase. Mm -hmm. I, I think my current understanding of it is the beast, system will be a resurrection of ancient Rome. Mm. And that's no threat to the literal Babylon interpretation, because we already see that uh, in Daniel's prophecies, in Daniel 2, 
you know, in Daniel 7. It's kind of a, I would understand it as a Eurocentric, you know, revived Roman Empire hmm. uh, controlled by the beast or the Antichrist. And But there's another city. <laughs> God is not finished with another city, and that city is in Babylon. And apparently Babylon is going to grow, you know, to the point where she actually eclipses the, the beast, and the beast will resent it, and the beast will turn on the city of Babylon and destroy it, and that's how Babylon is destroyed in the sixth bowl judgment. So the stuff about, you know, he was, is not, will come, I mean, that could be talking about the revived Roman Empire under the beast, which is different than the city of Babylon, obviously. It might also be a reference to the Antichrist's uh, pseudo-resurrection, because the Antichrist is killed in Revelation 13, and he's brought back to life under satanic power. So, you know, those would be my two options, you know, for interpreting uh, verse 8 there. Okay. And uh, just to give people the good news, there is good news in uh, chapter 17. Their victory for the Lamb, uh, these will wage war against the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. That's verse 14 in Revelation 17. So uh, the book, by the way, if you guys are uh, just tuning in, if you just caught the tail end of what uh, we're, this, we're discussing, it's called Babylon, the Book Ends of Prophetic History. It is not a lengthy book, but packed with a lot of details and prophecy explained from Dr. Andy Woods. So, Andy, you talk about some current events um, mm-hmm. toward the end of the book. Um, and one thing, there's so many uh, here, but one thing that just jumps out at me because of what's happening with the Great Reset and the globalist push, uh, you talk about the United Nations moving to Babylon with a question mark. Well, explain that one. Right. Well, you know, in general, I, I think it's fine to look at current events after we've examined the Bible. Yes. You know. <laughs> a lot of people, unfortunately, read current events back into the Bible, but there's no shame in looking at current events, you know, after you've come to some some firm conclusions concerning what the Bible actually says. So in one of those latter chapters, I think it's my last chapter, I explain how current events actually fit with this model, hmm. you know, that I'm trying to advocate in the book. And I mentioned a lot of different things, but one of the things that's very interesting is an article um, by a couple of professors at the Army War College, and they're basically talking very openly in this particular article about, you know, how, goodness gracious, uh, why don't we take the United Nations and move it to Iraq, you know, 58 miles south of Baghdad, (laughs) how it would solve this problem and that problem, and... I'm just fascinated by that That's because funny. it's almost like these guys they they read their Bible and then then they try to do something in the news you know <laughs> to to keep up with the Bible but they're just making you know independent decisions and it happens to harmonize with what the Bible says and there's a lot of other things happening in the world today you know that fit fit that that mold you know for example the world's oil supply if the Antichrist were to set up shop in Babylon and annex the surrounding nations, uh, 
within a heartbeat, he would control 60% of the world's oil supply, which would put him into a position of global leadership, you know, almost overnight, Hmm. you know, particularly over us here in the United States when, you know, we're not even going to do the pipeline anymore, according to one of Biden's executive orders. And, you know, there's other things going on about how the Pope, you know, recently um, wanted to have kind of a One World Religions Conference. And it was so interesting to me that he didn't decide to have it in Vatican City. You know, everybody says Babylon equals Rome. Well, I guess the Pope never got the memo because (laughs) he had his meeting in, of all places, the era of the Chaldeans, the basic Babylonian area where Abraham himself was called from, you know, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. So there's just a lot of exciting things like that happening in the news that don't subtract from this literal Babylon thesis, but, you know, enhance it. A lot of things that are happening, and uh, we've got three minutes left. Um, We can kind of, you know, get off into some of these uh, topics now, because um, a lot of believers, of course, are concerned about vaccine passports, about the the fact that travel is being limited, and this is infringement, of course, on the, our constitutional rights, the ability to travel and move around. And, but we we shouldn't be surprised by this. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts. We haven't talked about this with you. Uh, we haven't had you on for a while, and I, you know I've been out. So just your your thoughts on people's concern about not so much the surprise or the shock that that men would do this. But the fact that um, it's happening now at maybe a quicker uh, a speed than we really ever thought could happen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I used to talk about the end times, uh, no one would listen. <laughs> but <laughs> suddenly I've got an audience now <laughs> because it's like, oh, my goodness, all these things you guys have been talking about are actually coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is very clear that the way things are going to end is enslavement you know, of the human race, where you can't buy or sell, you know, basic economic rights, I would put into that travel and other things, unless you, um, you know, have some sort of insignia and whatnot. And it's so interesting to watch the world not move in the opposite direction of that prophecy, but directly in the direction of that prophecy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I should be clear, you know, that these vaccine passports and all of these kinds of things that everybody's talking about today and implementing are not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast won't happen until you have the beast, you know, in authority following the removal of the restrainer. But they're, I I would put it in this category, they're psychological preparation. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I saw an article recently about how the whole city of Los Angeles, you know, now they're contemplating not even being able to go to the grocery store to buy food unless you, you know, show your papers first and this kind of thing. I mean, what is that? That, I mean, not only is it an egregious violation of our Constitution, but ultimately what it is is it's conditioning people, you know, for the ultimate mark of the beast system. And the sad thing for me, and I know for you, David, is to watch so many people capitulate to that. Yes. Uh, It's sort of interesting how fast people have capitulated. That's been a study in and of itself. But then again, uh, that's exactly what the Bible predicts. So 
rather than becoming despondent about all of these things, um, let's keep looking up because Jesus told us these things would happen, and uh, his word is being confirmed as we speak. Our redemption is drawing nigh. And one of the Amen. things you actually you know, allude to is the fact that it, of the imminency of the rapture. We know it's coming. We know it's just a matter of time. Uh, so when we see all these things happen, um, try not to lose heart, friends, because we know who's still on the throne, and uh, we, we can trust in Jesus. Um, Andy, thank you so much for your time today and the, the new book. I encourage you guys to get it. It's, a, it's very short but packed. Uh, Babylon, the, the book ends of prophetic history at Amazon or dispensationalpublishing.com. We will ha- see you in studio next month when you're in town for the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference. Andy, thank you again, brother. God bless you. Yeah, thank you so much, David. Appreciate it. All right. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are tomorrow. Fascinating. You are going to be really inspired by this man of God who has been Uh, under attack by the government because of holding church services. More when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. You are going to be blessed and inspired tomorrow as we hear from Pastor Tim Stevens up in Canada, Fairview Baptist Church. He was arrested in front of his family for violating COVID orders and and continuing to have their congregation gather at his church. And he seems to think that uh, the Canadian government may want to make an example out of him. Uh, We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. So we'll talk to Pastor Tim Stevens tomorrow and find out what's happening with Canada's churches and is that coming here. And then on Wednesday, you will hear from Dr. James Taylor, uh, Senior Pastor of Christ Church in Norman, Oklahoma, on critical race theory, and also Alex Newman. Um, He's part of the interview I did when I was at the Liberty Pastors Conference uh, several weeks ago. So thank you guys for tuning in. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.